0: Church Unlimited is partnering with organizations and local churches to provide relief and plan for the recovery and restoration of communities directly impacted by Hurricane Harvey. In the two weeks since the devastating landfall, Church Unlimited has mobilized thousands of volunteers, served 23,000 meals, and worked on rebuilding hundreds of homes. Thank you for showing the world what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Welcome. Great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our churches. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you. Appreciate you. Great to have you guys here today. We're talking today about speaking to your storm, the storm in your life, how we can speak to that storm. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse, I believe, 30, what are we at? 35. Mark chapter 4, 35. And as you turn there we quick, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Drop the mic. Boom. That's it. <laughs> That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services. Glad you guys are here. It's been a busy couple weeks, so I apologize for not having little note sheets for you, but it's been that kind of couple of weeks, and so I've been really busy out in Rockport and trying to serve the community and, and really mobilizing the people. I'm really proud of you guys, by the way. I'm so proud of all the work that so many of you have done. I cannot go anywhere in our city right now, um, whether I'm getting pumping gas in my car or getting a bite to eat with one of my kids. Uh, without someone stopping and saying, oh my gosh, you're at Church Unlimited. Thank you for the difference you're making in our community. It's really cool. So thank you guys. We have now had over 3,500 of you have served in the community, helping people rebuild their lives from Hurricane Harvey. So thank you. That's incredible. Really, really proud of you again for all the impact and difference that you guys are making in all of our communities, not just Rockport, but Aransas Pass, Port Aransas and other areas. Woodsboro now has been added to that. We're just really kind of hitting all the affected areas. And so just thank you for helping us uh, make an impact and and make a difference. So we're going to talk a little bit more more about that as well. I do want to give you guys an update. I want to keep you guys updated what's going on with the Rockport location. Uh, We are running into all kinds of problems, so we really don't have any answers yet. And so, but I just want to keep you updated with what's going on. We are really using our resources, not right now, to focus on rebuilding the building, but to focus on rebuilding the city, okay? That's our focus, really, is the city. I would love to have a campus in Rockport still. Uh, We're still looking at that. We just don't know what we've got yet. So I'm just going to be dead honest with you. We were underinsured. We have insurance. We were just underinsured because no one, including the entire city of Rockport, thought it was going to hit like this and so it is a next-level hit, and so it's kind of like a Katrina hit. No one saw that coming, and so we are just bracing for the difference we can make and just trying to trying to help the city. That's where we're at, and so very excited, though, to tell you that the city is very thankful for us for the difference you're making. Uh, We've repeatedly been told by the mayor and city councilmen and others, oh my gosh, Church Unlimited is just killing it out here. Thank you so much. We've heard that over and over and over again, so thank you, guys. Really cool, so... And I'm hearing that from other areas affected as well. So again, we just want to say thank you. Look at the scripture today. Let's talk about storms since we've gone through one. I thought maybe we should use some scripture that talks about some storms. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him uh, with him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. This is a scripture where Jesus says, hey, let's go in the boat and let's cross over to the other side. Now, the key issue here is that there was about to be a storm. If you know the scripture, just in a few more verses, they get hit directly by a storm. It floods their boat. They're probably, you know, they're thinking, we're going to die. This is horrible. You know, like, I mean, it's it's bad. It's real bad, right? Way worse than they thought. And so Jesus, you got to remember this, he knows everything. He's God. So he knows the future. So he knows the storm's coming. Yet he still says, hey guys, let's get in the boat. Now, if I'm with Jesus and I was privy to the information, which I'm not, but if I were, or have been privy to the information, I would have been like, "Excuse me, Jesus, can we just talk real quick? Um, is there a better day to go boating than today? Maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. Are you sure you want to go today? I mean, because I think that you and I both know something's about to happen here, right? I mean, why would Jesus pick the day of the storm?" to go out in, right? I mean, this seems like bad time. Have you ever had something happen in your life and you think this is the worst possible time for this to happen? Anybody? First of all, there's no good time for a storm. I can't pick a good date for that. Oh, this would be a great month for a storm. I'd love that. It'd be great. You know, this is not a good day to lose your building. This is not a good day to lose everything you own, right? There's never a good day for that, okay? But still, it seems like when bad happens, it always happens at the absolute worst time. Is anyone else relate to what I'm talking about? It's just like, could there be a worse time? for me to lose my job? Could there be a worse time for them to leave me? Could there be a worse time for my kid to flip out? Could there be a worse time for me to get this bill in the mail? Could there be a worse time to break your arm? Could there be a worse time? You know, whatever it is you're facing, you're like, man, this is just terrible timing, right? And so it seems like it's the worst time, but actually, oftentimes what's the worst time is actually the best time because then God gets to prove himself. And he gets to show his, 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 himself in a great way in your life. But I want to point something out. Would you write this down? Storms never stop Jesus from taking you somewhere. We oftentimes say, Well, I had this plan, this goal, this dream, I was working towards this, and then this storm happened, and then all that went out the window, right? I was going to use these resources to reach this goal, to buy this property, to invest in whatever, and all of a sudden the storm happens, and now I got to redo my roof. I got to rebuild my garage. Now I have to, you know, pull my boat out of the tree, you know, whatever. I mean, you're like, This is crazy. You know, I did not expect to have to to do this, right? So all of a sudden, what you were going to use it for, now you can't. Or, you know, I was planning on this trip, and then this storm happened. I was planning on this or that, and then this happened, right? So you had a plan at the beginning, and you have an end result, and in the middle is where it gets messed up, right? It's always in the middle, but you got to know that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the God at the beginning. He's the God at the end. He's the God in the middle, and He knew about it, so you can trust that the Lord still has you. Just want to encourage you to know that, that God doesn't change his plans because of a storm. Jesus is like, get in the boat, we're going the other side. But there's going to be a storm. He's like, I know, and I'm still Jesus, let's go. (laughs) It doesn't change his plans. He still has a plan for your life. I've just got some good news for you today that if you've been detoured or derailed, God's plans and purposes for your life, they still will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against God's plans for your life. (laughs) Isn't that good to know that? He still has a plan for you, so you can stay focused on the Lord and know that He will take care of you. Storms don't stop Him, and it shouldn't stop you either. There is a a guy in Minnesota, uh, in the Twin Cities, and uh, he had a bunch of businesses, pretty successful guy. By all accounts, it looked like he was doing really well. He uh, he owned a lot of businesses. Um, Unfortunately, some of the businesses he owned were a bunch of bars, and with that typically comes a lifestyle that can get you in a lot of trouble really fast, and so he found himself you know, hooked on drugs pretty quick, alcohol and then drugs, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse, and, you know, that's like a progression, by the way. If you don't know how that works, that's how that works. And so he, you know, starts off, and then eventually he ends up all the way to the level of doing crack cocaine in the 90s. He's, you know, he's, he's really addicted. In fact, he goes all the way, started in the 80s to the 90s, all the way now into the 2000s, he's still addicted. But all along, he's growing businesses, and he started this little bitty company on the side uh, that started to grow it was a pillow company. It was doing pretty well, and uh, he's got all these businesses. But he's so addicted that he can't run everything effectively, and he's like losing his his life. Basically, he realizes I'm probably going to die if I keep doing this. Well, one day um, there's three guys that come together to do an intervention on him. Basically, to sit down and say you got to stop. This is bad. And here's how crazy his addiction was: the three guys that came together were the three biggest drug dealers in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and they were telling him you're scaring us. And they deal drugs. I mean, this is crazy. And so, because he had gone 19 straight days with no sleep. He was high the whole time. That's a great way to have a heart attack. And so, he, he barely survived that. Then, in early 2009, he's in a hotel room, strung out on drugs. He's got this burgeoning business going. Uh, the pillow business is going pretty good. There's bars, all this kind of stuff. And he finally just gets on his knees in the hotel room after doing another hit. And he just dropped to his knees and finally just said, God, if you're there, if there is a God... God, you got to help me. And I don't know what else to say other than this, God. If you're real, come in my life. I will devote my entire life to you. All I ask is one thing. Would you please help me to no longer desire drugs? If you will just help me to no longer desire drugs, I'll give my whole life to you. Everything I am, everything I have, I'll devote to you. The next morning, he woke up, and he's never drugged, done drugs since. And in the process, how cool is that? And when he said, God, I'll give you my all, he meant it. And he said, my businesses, I'll dedicate to you. He got rid of a bunch of those businesses that he knew were not healthy for him. But that little pillow business kept going and kept going, and he dedicated it to God. And now MyPillow.com is the number one selling pillow around the world. Mike Lindell does a great work for God now. That guy sent a team here to give us 10,000 pillows to give to every shelter and victim of Hurricane... Harvey. Isn't that cool? So put the word out. That's a good man and a good company doing the great work. And actually they're giving out four million dollars of the pillows all across the entire region, all the way up into Houston, Beaumont and even Louisiana. For anyone affected, that's how committed they are to helping people. And so just good work happening, but just shows you what God can do through someone. And it's interesting, by the way, right after he committed his whole life to God and got his life straightened out, right after that, his business went from 40 employees to 400 employees in a month. Woo! God just began to explode their business in a really exciting way. So you never know what God can do when you fully commit to Him. This last week, I was at the Rockport campus, and I was just there greeting people and helping people and that kind of thing, and a car pulled up, and they were starting to serve food, and as the, as the lines were getting a little longer for the food, this car pulls up and these people hop out to get some food. And I was just talking to them and said, Hey, how are you holding up? Talking with them for a second. And as they got in line, this one guy came up to me. He said, Are you Pastor Bill? I said, Yeah. He goes, You're like the pastor? <laughs> so I'm always laughing. I'm like, I don't know what the pastor is, but yes, I'm Pastor Bill. And so he said, I need to talk to you. I was like, Yeah, he goes, I got a question for you. I was like, sure, what's up? And he goes, Will you baptize me? I was like, Okay, when you ask a preacher if they're baptized, the answer is always yes. Okay, so yes, I will. And he said, Okay. I said, Can I just ask you like we just met. You just walked up. You just drove up and asked me to baptize you. are like, what made you ask that today? And he said, honestly, because of a promise I made God if he'd get me out of this storm. I was like, wow. That's pretty cool. Well, let me ask you something. Let me just ask you something. You made a promise to God in the middle of a mess? Have you kept it? I mean, let's, let's be honest. A lot of us make some promises like that. Lord, <laughs> if you'll get me out of this one. <laughs> Come on, let's not lie, right? You're like, Lord, if you just help me not to lose my job, right? There's teenagers all across the room right now are going, Lord, if you just help mom not to know, if you'll just help dad not to, not to kill me, right, right? Lord, if you'll just let her not be pregnant. God, if you'll just I'm just saying, let's be honest in the house of God today, okay? I'm just Lord, if you'll just help me through this situation, right? If you'll just get me out of this one, God, I will serve you. I will commit my life to you. I will, you know, right? Well, oh, Lord, if you'll just help me through this, well, I'll start tithing. God, if you'll just help me through this, I'll start going to church. If you'll just, right? And so I think God is saying to all of us today, I helped you out there. Uh, when are you going to step up on the part you were committed to doing? Right? So he kept his word with us, or are we keeping our word with him? And I just have to point something out. I mean, here we are talking about a storm that could have taken our very lives. You know, we're really lucky, honestly, that as far as I know, only two or three people died from the storm, you know, in the southern region of the, of the direct Category 4 hit. That's unbelievable, by the way. Normally, it's way more than that. Not that I'm happy about two or three, but that's that's incredibly low, right? Bottom line is, is that God is really taking care of us in the middle of a big storm. And, and there's another storm going on right now in Florida, and I've heard there's a third one. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, they're all, at some point, we need to stop in America, Turn on the news and talking about global warming and start talking about repenting before God and saying, God, we want to turn back to you. Like, that's what needs to happen. I mean, at some point, the storms need to cause us to hit our knees and say, God, we just need you. Please put your hand of protection on on our country. We were founded with you, and we need to get back to you again. I just think it's something we need to be talking about. And uh, it's sad to me that we're not talking about this in church, of all places, about just honoring God and giving God our whole heart again. Storms never stop Jesus from taking you somewhere. And this is another important point to, to point out. Verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So now the boat's filling with water. They're like, oh, great, now we're going to drown. We're in the middle of nowhere, right? They're too far out to go back, but they're not far enough to go to get to the other side either. They're right in that middle section where it's like, great, we can just die out here, right? Water's starting to fill up. Uh, fill into the boat. So now the thing about water coming into your boat, the only person who knows that's happening is the people in the boat. So it's kind of like you got two storms going on. You got the storm that everyone sees, and you got a storm only you know about. You got the water coming in the boat, right? And I wonder if some of us, the reason why the storm was so difficult could be because everyone saw Hurricane Harvey, but what they didn't see was a storm going on in your personal life. So one of the reasons why it's just it's too much to take is because it's, it's bad enough to have to board up your house. But then if you're trying to board up your house where you're trying to keep your marriage together. You're trying to board up your house where you're trying to keep the debt collectors from calling you. You're trying to board up your house where you're trying to still struggle with your addiction. You're trying to board up your house where you're still dealing with depression. So it's bad enough to be fighting on one front, but then after you're fighting on another front, that's where the problem comes in. See, when I talk about storm, we're not just talking about Harvey. We're talking about what's going on in your life before Harvey ever hit. There may have already been a storm brewing because of some habits because of a lifestyle, because of a situation, because of the choices you've made, and then add to that another storm, and we have a big mess going on in our lives at that point. So the, the disciples not only did they have a storm they could all see, but they had water coming. In. They're like, no one sees this. But the good news is that Jesus is in the boat. So every time the disciples got wet from water coming in, Jesus did too. And I want to remind you that whatever you're going through, Jesus feels it too. Which means this: number two, Jesus is with you. You need to trust that in the middle of your storm, whatever your difficulty, Jesus is also with you. He knows about what you are facing. He's aware of what's going on out in Alice, Texas. He knows what's going on off of Rodfield Road. He's aware of what's happening over there at the west side. God knows what you're dealing with even better than you do. He knew you were going to be hit with this before you knew you were going to be hit with this. God is still in control. and We can trust that he will take care of us. Isn't that good to know that? Jesus is still with you. So whatever you're facing, he has not left your side. I just want to encourage you with that to know that he has been there all along and he's not going anywhere. He's still with you and he's going to help guide you through your storm, through your difficulty. There's a true story about a guy named uh, uh, Eddie Rickenbacker. He was the captain of a B-17 flying fortress and, and uh, this was a B-17 bomber in World War II. They ran out of fuel after running a mission and so they had to crash the plane in the Pacific in the middle of nowhere. They crashed the plane. Nine guys survived. They had three life rafts that they blew up real quick, all hopped in them, and now they had food for about eight days. On the eighth day, they ate the, the last part of their food. They were in the water in the Pacific for 20 more days almost, so, so, so almost 30 days they were in the water, 20 of those, no food. They are literally starving to death. Sharks are attacking them. They're burning up. I mean, they're literally sunburned. Head to toe, just about. They're miserable and they're thinking, we're going to die out here. Every morning, uh, Captain Rickenbacker would let one of the guys that was a strong Christian, he had a Bible that he carried on him, and he'd pull his Bible and he'd, re- he'd read from it all the time. But then every morning, they would have a morning devotion and prayer time just to give it some kind of semblance of order. He said, okay, go ahead and read something. And he'd read it, and some of the guys liked it, some of the guys didn't, right? But, you know, you're middle of nowhere and you're dying. Hey, read the Bible. So they'd read a little bit, and then someone would pray. This particular morning, they prayed, and, uh, and, and Captain Rick and Barker said, I'll go ahead and I'll do the prayer. You read the Bible, okay, and I'll do the prayer. So he prayed, Lord, please, please just help us live. Just, just help us live. Please provide some food. We need food, God, please. We, we're starving, God. Could you just somehow provide some kind of food for us? You know, you just prayed the basic prayer of, Lord, help us be saved, right? Amen. When he finished praying, he put his hat over his eyes and was going to take a nap. There's nothing else to do. He leans his head back and puts his hat over his head. And in that instant, a bird lands on his hat. They're all, everyone just got real still. All eyes are on him. He's like, this is dinner. <laughs> he got real still, slowly moved his hands up and grabbed the bird. They took the bird and killed it. I don't mean to be graphic, but they ate every part of that bird there was to eat between those men. That bird saved their life. they took the small intestines of the bird, sorry, not trying to be graphic, but they used that to fish with and caught fish to save their life. That one little bird saved their life. Max Lucado wrote about this story, a true story, one of those amazing World War II heroic stories that there's many of them, but that's just one of them. He wrote about it. Well, what he didn't know was his books would sell all over the world, and multiple ladies that were widows, widowers now, of these men who had survived this and ended up passed on, got together and talked about him talking about their, their story. And one of the widows said, actually, that's not the greatest miracle of the whole thing, was that they were saved. The greatest miracle was the timing of that. And they were like, what are you talking about? And they all shared it because they, they get together once a year, like an annual get-together to talk about the whole story. And, you know, wars bring people together in a big way, too. And so they would do that. Well, one of the ladies wrote Max Lucado and said, you actually don't know the full miracle, and I want to share the other, the other side of the story. Actually, the miracle was, there's another guy there, uh, the widow of James Whitaker tells us that James was not a believer, and he hated it every morning when they would get out the Bible and read it and pray. It made him mad. He was angry about that. He hated it. He begged him, we don't need to do this. I don't, I don't want to be part of it. They're like, sorry, bro, we're all dying here. Just shut your ears. We're going to do this, okay? And so, but on the day, James, James crashed and survived the crash. That didn't make him a believer Sharks attacking him, didn't make him believer, but when he saw that man pray and say, God, we just need food, and a bird land on his head, he knew, there's a God who loves me, and that's the day he became a Christian. <laughs> it's amazing. Sometimes it takes a lot to get our attention, but God will get your attention. And if, you don't have his, if he doesn't have your attention yet, I'm scared to know what it's going to take to get it. So I recommend just paying attention to God. Because he will get our attention. It says in verse 38, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So Jesus is asleep during the storm. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So Jesus is sleeping while the storm's going on. You ever felt that way? You're like, Lord, are you asleep? Like, are you do you even know what's going on right now in my life? Let's be honest. Anyone ever felt like that? You feel like Jesus is sleeping while you're going through whatever you're facing, you're like, seriously, I feel like, are you taking the day off? I don't know about it. I mean, like, what's the deal? You know, like, I, I need you to wake up, Lord. I need your help, right? And so we think we're waking him up, but I think actually the Lord's waking us up through the storm, right? And so we're like, hey, hey, Jesus, can you help me? And Jesus is like, I could have helped you all along before the storm came, but now you're calling on me. He was there all along, but also now we call on him because of the storm. But I think there's an important point that Jesus is also proving through this this little nap he's taking and that is it's really simple. Would you write this down? If you can't sleep through it, you can't speak to it. If you can't sleep through it, you can't speak to it. In other words, Jesus is saying you got to learn to stay calm in the midst of your storm. You got to learn to stay calm and realize it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Does that make sense? And so You know, I've already heard there's another storm that can happen if you're not careful about storms. When things go bad and people have to jump in and commit all kinds of extra hours to serving and to helping to make a difference, and putting their own life back together and all this kind of stuff, that stress can lead to another storm of making bad decisions that destroy your marriage, destroy your family, mess everything up. So there's a third storm that can happen if you don't stay calm. And that's you start to make bad decisions. Does that make sense? So don't let the third storm happen, right? It's bad enough that the storm hit, and you had something going on in your own personal life, and the third storm is when you make bad decisions because of all the stress you're under. This is why you got to learn to stay calm and, and say, okay, Lord, you're still in control. I'm going to get a nap. Oh, but the storm's going on. I know the storm's going on. I'm still going to go get a nap. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going I'm to realize that i got to take care of the temple here. I need to be healthy. Make sense? Our body is a temple to the Lord. Are you taking care of yourself? This is important that you do that. Balance is a big deal. Remember last week we said pace yourself? Jesus is getting a nap in the middle of the storm. It doesn't seem spiritual, but I think some of those spiritual things you can do is to get a Sunday nap. Amen to that, right? we you're like, amen. Rest matters. You can't sleep through it. You can't speak to it. But notice he also speaks directly to his storm. Only Jesus can do that because he can talk to the weather system since he made it, Right? And so he actually says, calm down. And the storm actually obeys his every word. And so if you can't sleep through it, you can't speak to it. Last thing I want to tell you is this, verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Why you still have no faith? Have you still no, no faith? And, why, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the, and the sea obey him? They're like, who is this Jesus? We thought we knew him, but he is a freak. I mean, he just told the wind and the waves to calm down, and they did. That is cray-cray. That is nuts. Like, I cannot believe that the whole storm calmed down because Jesus just got up and said, hey, calm down. I mean, that's, you imagine getting up and just saying, hey, everyone calm down. Now, don't try this at home. I don't recommend this. <laughs> don't get on top of your roof. Next time a storm comes, get up there and be like, bring it on. Do not do that. Because Jesus has authority over the wind and the waves so he can he can speak to it. But but this is really important to understand. What's going on? Why is this storm happening then? Because if Jesus is just trying to take him to the other side, why would God allow a storm to happen? I believe this is why. So you've got God the Father, right, who's in heaven, right? Our Father who art where? In heaven, right? it be. You know, like, right, right, you could get do the whole thing, couldn't you, right now? Okay, I'll stop. Okay, but you've got our Father, then you've got the Son, right? And we have the Holy Spirit, too, right? That comes with, within us when we accept Christ. So we've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all one God. But in the case here, when Jesus goes to the earth, we've got the Father and we've got the Son. The Son often was praying to the Father, he also would engage the Spirit as well. All three are, are, are one, right? But you've got the Father and the Son. The Father causes a storm to happen. And the son rebukes it. Why would the father then cause a storm if the son's going to rebuke it? I believe he did it so the son would rebuke it, and here's why. Because God was elevating Jesus in the view of the disciples. All of a sudden they went, oh, my, did, you, uh, did you see that? <laughs> he just got up and said, calm down, and then the whole storm stopped. Yeah, I saw, it. did you see it? They're like, okay, I'm going to make sure I did uh, am I? i will make sure I wasn't drinking something. Like, did you see that too? I didn't know. They're like, they're checking each other. Like, I can't believe we just saw that. That is so crazy, right? And so they realized this is not just a good teacher. He is our Savior. I mean, he is the Messiah. He's the real deal. This is God in the form of man. This is when they finally started to realize, wow. And so God wants to elevate you and I. When God wanted to elevate Jesus, he brought a problem bigger than all of them for Jesus to solve to elevate him. And so can I tell you something that may surprise you? Do you know how God wants to elevate you? Please write this down. When God wants to promote you, he uses a problem bigger than you to do it. How God promotes you is through a big problem. I can't go anywhere right now in our city without people stopping me and saying, Oh my gosh, your church is amazing. And I realize what God's doing now is that God has allowed the storm to be a vehicle for our church to have larger influence. So He is promoting not just our church, churches all across the country, He is promoting the body of Christ through the storm. In other words, How was Joseph promoted in the Bible? Through the famine. If there was no famine, they wouldn't have needed Joseph's amazing organizational skills to save up seven years' worth of grain so they could have grain when there was no grain, and he could disperse it and sell it to everybody for higher prices. Egypt became rich, took care of everybody, that kind of thing, right? He saved the whole Middle East, right? David would not become King David. It wasn't for Goliath. In other words, like, there's always a problem bigger for you to face. When you say, God, please promote me, God says, no problem. Here's a big problem in your life. And you're like, uh, could you promote me another way, of God? Right? No, that's, that's just it. That's how he promotes you. Your problem you're facing right now is actually not meant to stop you. It's meant to promote you. So if you'll face your problem directly and solve it, that's, and you say, but the problem's bigger than me. That's how you become bigger. You take on bigger problems. The highest paid people in your industry take on problems bigger than you. That's why they're the highest paid. It's because they just take on bigger problems. That's how they do that. Does that make sense? If you want to be promoted, you say, God, please promote me. God says, no problem. Let me introduce a storm into your life. Let me bring some kind of difficulty, because that's how he promotes you. But you say, well, Lord, can you just promote me without a storm, right? That's what we all want. God, can you just give me the job without having to work towards it? Just just, just promote me without having to do anything, right? He could do that, and you wouldn't be able to handle the promotion. Like, Lord, you know, I don't want to have to actually save money and invest money and learn to be good with money. Could you just give me a million bucks? How does that go when someone is just handed a million? How does that turn out? Man. It doesn't go good. Why? Because they, they, couldn't, they couldn't handle 10 bucks, let alone 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks, or 10,000 bucks. And how are they going to handle a million? Does that make sense? Oh, God, help my, help my income to go up by 20% so you can go get more debt like you are now? So so you you make $40,000 a year, but you owe $40,000 on a credit card. Then that means if you were making $400,000 a year, you'd owe $400,000 on a credit card. This This would be bad for you, for God to bless you right now. So learn to handle money well, and then God can give you more. And you handle that well, and God can give you more. Does that make sense? If you're faithful with the little, God will give you much. And so God's saying, whatever your problems you're facing, maybe it's not money, maybe it's something totally unrelated to money, but whatever you're facing, if you don't learn to handle that problem, then you're not ready for the next level. And so you have to be able to handle the problem that you have now. Your problem that you're facing right now is your promotion. It's not meant to hold you back. And so take three or four steps back from that rock that's in your way, and that's your jump-off point now. Leap and jump off from it, and you can go further, higher, faster, faster. Because your problem is not meant to hold you back. It's meant to propel you forward. Isn't that good news to know? To know that God's using the storm to promote you, not to hold you back. You name the storm, even the one we don't know about. The only you know about because you're in the boat with Jesus. Just you and Jesus know about that one. It's you in your boat. Whatever that problem is, no one else knows about it. But if you will face that problem directly, that problem will promote you. You will become a better person to overcome that difficulty. And that's how you'll be able to handle the next step that God has for you in your life. Your problem is your promotion. Chuck Swindoll says it this way. Every problem is an opportunity to prove God's power. Every day we encounter countless golden opportunities brilliantly disguised in insurmount- as insurmountable problems. Isn't that good? That's how God wants to promote you. Is He wants to use the storm, the problem, the difficulty that's bigger than you to make you bigger. That's how he raises you up. Bottom line is this, though. I, I just have a simple question for you today. The storm hit us, and it hit us hard. A lot of damage. It's going to take a while to put our lives back together. It really is. There's whole communities that are, that are rocked. They're just wiped out. You know, in the middle of that storm, some of you made some promises to God. Maybe you were in the storm, and you're saying, Lord, just get me through this. I'll give you my life. Or maybe you were watching the storm like I was from another community, another town, saying, God, please please don't let that storm my city. Right? Either way, we're making some promises to God. Let me ask you about your promise today. Have you, have you fully committed to God? I mean, have you really committed to God? Now you say, right, oh yeah, I know, it's the end of the service. This is where you ask people if they've accepted Christ. No, I didn't ask you if you accepted Christ. I'm asking you, are you fully committed to Christ? I'm not asking if you've got your fire insurance from hell. That's great, and I hope you accept Christ so that you can go to heaven too. But that's not my question today. My question is, have you given your all to Christ? Every area. What area are you still holding back from? You're like, Lord, I mean, I, I'll give you everything, but Lord, not my relationship. <laughs> that's just, I, you know, I, mean, I really love this person, and you know, that's that's kind of my thing. So just, I'll give you everything but that. Or Lord, I'll give you everything but this. But this is one habit. I'll give you everything, but don't ask for my money, Lord. I'll give you everything, but just on that right. And whatever it is that you're holding back on, let's just admit what's going on here and go ahead and just pull it out and put it on the big pedestal and start worshiping it because that's your God. You put that in front of God. God's saying, will you give me all of you? It's real simple. The equation's really simple. He just wants everything. That's it. Just, just write everything, sign your name. All of you. Because God's love required all of him. So he requires all of you. You know, on any given day, I feel like that I would give my life for you. I mean, I feel like most people would agree that if if they required it, you know, to save someone else, I think most of us on a good day, (laughs) right, would give our lives for someone. But I have to tell you, you know, if one of my kids is in the room and this place is on fire, you better have the exes picked out yourself because I will give my life for you. But I'm just going to be honest with you, I will not give my child's life for you. I will not do that. That's where my love for you draws a line. I'm just telling you the truth. I feel like you should know that. Is that I will give my life, but I will not give my son, either my sons or my daughter, for you. I'm not going to do it. And I bet you would agree with that, wouldn't you? But he gave his son? What kind of love is this? He gave his son for you and for me. I mean... I'm sorry, I love you. I will not give you my son or my daughter. I'm not gonna do that. But God does. That's irrational love. That is crazy costly commitment that He's made to you and me. And He says of you and I, I want all of you. God can say, I gave more than all of me. I gave my son for you. What kind of love is this? I I know parents that have lost a child and I can be honest with you, they're never the same. They're never the same. I will not give you my child. But God did. And now he says, will you give me all of you? So right now across all of our churches, we're going to open up The altar at every campus we have. And maybe today you have to admit, Lord, I have not given you everything. I've been holding back a relationship. I've been holding back a habit. I've been holding back a sin that I kind of frankly enjoy. I don't want to give up. I've been holding back a lifestyle. I've been holding back a choice that I, I don't really want to make, God. But I know that you're asking for all of me today. You gave your all and your love towards me, I want to give my all to you as well. So I'm just going to open up this altar and if you know God's speaking to you and you need to come forward, and you go ahead and do that. And just give God your all. Just every part of you. That's what he wants. Oh Lord, I'll give you everything but, but my money. Then you're not giving him everything of who you are. I'll give you everything but my relationship. You know, it's funny. Men commit sin and women judge them for it, but women commit relationships with men who are sinning. Same thing. So, ladies, you're you're not out on this one either. I mean, are you are, are you are you involved with someone that you know is honoring God? I mean, you can do that if you want. You know, I call that the decade delay. It's just going to cost you about a decade to date them. That's it. it. Takes about a decade to force yourself to stay in love with someone who's compromising and end up getting married and two or three years in, a couple kids later, to finally realize this is going nowhere and you give your life back to God and you're in praying and praying and praying for that turnaround. Eventually, they divorce you and that's about a decade. You, you can do that a lot of people do it or on the front end you can realize you know what Lord this is really going to stink but I got to give you my all and I need to admit that this is not a relationship birthed by you but by me give them your all or you can do the decade delay either way some of you guys people are on our second decade delay it's fine please don't do that young people I hope that scares you. I'd really do. I hope you go, whoa, that's kinda crazy. That actually real? Yes, I could bring you witness after witness on the stage about that. They wouldn't wanna be up here witnessing about it, but they could. Please don't make that foolish decision to think that you can mess around with sin and still honor God. Doesn't work like that. That leads to disaster. Give God your all. I just wanna tell you right now, this is not a popular message, it wasn't meant to be. If you're offended, then I'm doing my job. Because the gospel's offensive and it requires everything we have, all of us, all or nothing, put up or shut up, get in it or get out. Are you committed to Christ? That's what he wants from us, everything we are. That's what he asks, will you give God your all? I'm all in God, everything I have. Everything I want, just like Mike Lindell. Lord, I'm just going to lose it all, anyways. I might as well give you all I am. Please, God, have it all. Maybe God's speaking to you about a specific area that you need to surrender to Him today. And you already know what it is. And it's just between you and Jesus because you're the only ones in the boat. You're the only one to see the water coming in, but you know you're losing ground every moment you don't go and get Jesus. Jesus, I need you right now. I'm drowning here, I'm taking on water. Maybe it's time to admit it. Give your life to God fully. Fully. Those of you who have not accepted Christ, we're going to give you a moment to receive Christ. But I'm actually talking to those who are already saved, they are just living like you're not. Are we going to be all in? You see, I think this storm is going to change our city, but I think it's going to change our church. I think we need to be thinking differently today than before realizing that if in an instant... People lost everything that they've ever worked for in a matter of hours. Then maybe we need to recognize there's a God who's bigger than us and then we need to submit to him fully because we just don't know the future. So commit your whole life to God. Your whole life. Every area. No more holding back, guys. No more holding back. I'll be honest with you. I thought I was committed to evangelism. I don't think I was fully in not to the level that I feel God's speaking to me now about. I'm just telling you right now, we're going to become a church that's going to be a little crazy, that's going to do things further and faster and farther than we've ever done before because we're actually trying to truly take as many people to heaven as we can before we die. If you're really going to do that, that's going to cause you to think and act different. be all in. If you've never received Christ, you can pray this prayer with me and you can receive Christ right now. We're serious about this because God was all in and he gave his son something I'm not willing to do but I'm so glad he did it for us. He's not asking for you to give your child's life, he's asking you to give your life to him, fully committed to him. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. For God so loved the world He gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have everlasting life. Wow. That's why he gave his son. He gave his son so he could call you his son and daughter. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, we make this commitment to him, you can just pray this prayer with me right now out loud. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins come in my heart, I repent of my sins, I make you my Lord and my Savior thank you Jesus for saving me with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray the prayer then Christ has come in your life, but maybe your prayer today is that you're already a Christ follower, and maybe your prayer goes something like this, so you can say dear Jesus I've been holding out but no more I'm all in, every area, every part of my life, I commit to you even the area I'm scared of, I give that to you, too. Take it all. I'm yours, Lord. Do with me what you will. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.